visage from paradise came chanting through the large and lustrous air. Attracted by the golden samarad that lay beneath him like a glowing bowl tilted upon a table of the gods, turning as if moved around by an unseen hand to catch the warmth and blaze of a small sun, he passed from the mortal's happy paths to a world of toil and quest and greed and hope, to these rooms of a seesaw game of death and life. Dei Narad, here Nirod. Such has been the journey of Nirod Baran, a disciple of Sri Aurobindo and the mother. The significance of Nirod Baran. He who chooses the infinite has been chosen by the infinite. In Nirod Bharan's case, his coming to the ashram seemed almost against his will. A chance visit to see his niece Jyotirmoy, and not for any spiritual interest. After a brief visit to the ashram, he was on his way back home by train when he had an extraordinary vision. According to him, wherever I looked, I saw the face of the mother, extremely beautiful, ravishing beauty. Whichever way I turned my head, she was there. Now I realized that the first meeting had seized my fate. She had entered my name in the list. It is rare to come across a person whose most striking characteristic is that when one thinks of him, one's thoughts automatically turn to thinking of Sri Aurobindo and the mother. It is as if the disciple and the gurus are interlinked inextricably. And therefore, whatever be Nirudbaran's individual accomplishments, doctor, poet, sadhak, scribe, writer, teacher, speaker, friend, mentor and guide, to innumerable sadhaks of integral yoga, his life can only be seen with reference to his relationship with Sri Aurobindo and the mother. The divine teacher and the human disciple. Nirodbaran's association with Sri Aurobindo began even before birth. 
when Nirodbaran was born on 17th November 1903, his mother saw in her vision a resplendent Rishi standing in front of her, who she later recognized to be Sri Aurobindo. Nirodbaran joined the ashram in 1933. What his link to Sri Aurobindo was is difficult to define. One can only get a feel of it from extracts of his correspondence. In his correspondence, Nirodbaran comes across as a representative of the ego-bound human consciousness, struggling against human frailties, but irresistibly drawn to the Guru, who sometimes whips him, sometimes humors him, but refuses to give up on him. Giving Nirodbaran unlimited liberty to question, challenge, argue, Sri Aurobindo responded to all kinds of questions with inexhaustible patience and a sunny humor. So different was Sri Aurobindo's tone with Nirodbaran that even the mother later remarked about the correspondence. There are extraordinary things in there. He seems to be joking all the time, but it's extraordinary. And through it all, it was as if the divine teacher were molding the human clay to see how far it could be transformed and the human disciple crying to the Guru in moments of despair. You can cut me, sir, or beat me, but don't forsake me, evoking the response, never, but beat a lot. Such was the depth of this interchange between them that the mother commented it contained all that was needed for one's yoga. Nirudbaran Mother, this morning I had a dream. You were telling me that Sri Aurobindo had given me everything. You had nothing else to give. It is true, she replied. Kurukshetra and the Battle of Life When Nirodbaran joined the ashram in 1933, Sri Aurobindo's yoga had entered a phase of sadhana in the physical and the subconscious. This meant that things were quite difficult for the sadhaks. Nirodbaran had to struggle with the inertia of the physical nature, mental doubt, self-pity and despair, and a persistent feeling that he was not really a fit candidate for the yoga. Nirudbaran Lack of interest in energy, disinclination to go to the hospital. This is my condition for the last few days. Curiously enough, whenever I take a cup of tea in the morning, these symptoms disappear. The whole system seems to buck up and I can do my work with full vigour. But if one has to rely on tea for such results, Sri Aurobindo, 
sympathize with you. There was a time when I was like that. Teified cells instead of deified. With utter simplicity, Nirodbaran placed each and every problem of his nature, small or big, before the Master. And Sri Aurobindo explained, encouraged, gave him the impetus to go on. Nirudbaran. Now I find that I am only a bundle of sex and nothing else. This is yogic transformation. Sri Aurobindo. Nobody can be only a bundle of sex. Even a cat or a Casanova can't be that. It is the aboriginal coming up and figuring as if the whole man. But there are other bundles there, even if this one is at the top for the moment. On another occasion, Nirodbaran wrote wailing. Nirodbaran I am plunged in a sea of dryness and am terribly thirsty for something. Along with it, waves of old desires. Any handy remedy? Sri Aurobindo Eucharistic injection from above, purgative rejection below, liquid diet, psychic fruit juice, milk of the spirit. Nirudbaran Your prescription, sir, is splendid, but the patient is too poor to pay. I feel I am the least fitted for the path. And so, like Arjun, trusting in the Vishwarupa of Sri Aurobindo, Nirudbaran plodded on. The divine worker and the master of works. Even though Nirudbaran was a trained doctor, the mother initially assigned him work at the building department, then for the ashram gate duty finally to the timber go-down in 1934. All physical works, something that he had an aversion to, nor did he see its relevance to sadhana. At first his response was mechanical and there was a subconscious ambition to become a literary gent. To a question that he put to the mother about his work, while working at the timber go-down, where he was often reading and writing poetry and mechanically doing his duty, Sri Aurobindo wrote back, I don't know your work. I can't say what was there in that curt reply. I felt very humiliated and ashamed of myself. I thought, if Sri Aurobindo doesn't know what is my work, then what kind of work am I doing? Thus a simple sentence brought about my conversion. As Nirudbaran himself said later, a psychological jolt lighted the agni in the heart and instead of a literature, I became a karma yogi overnight. And he had his reward when Sri Aurobindo wrote to him, the timber go down made you make a great progress, and you made the timber go down make a great progress too. And thus began his training 
in becoming a divine worker. In 1935, the mother asked him to be the ashram doctor. Every day Nirodbaran would send up detailed medical reports to Sri Aurobindo and the mother and would receive guidance about the approach to take and at times even the treatment or medicines to be used. Nirodbaran Shall I adopt the subtlest method, i.e. keep quiet for a moment and whatever strikes first, go ahead with it, only be careful in case of poisons? You remember once I told you of this and you cried, Good Lord! Sri Aurobindo I did and I repeat it. I don't want this ashram transferred to the next world by your powerful agency. Through Sri Aurobindo's and the mother's intervention, Nirodbaran's traditional views on medicine underwent a radical change. The greatest thing he learned was that spiritual force can cure diseases. But his doubting nature stood in the way and Sri Aurobindo had to constantly drill into his brain and pour in more and more of faith. Nirodbaran Where is pneumonia or TB? In one night, everything over? Perhaps it was due to simple overexhaustion. Or force did it? Sri Aurobindo Shubhanallah With your diagnosis, one would have expected him to be already in paradise. Of course I put a force. Yet another area where he was being drilled by Sri Aurobindo was poetry. Nirodbaran took to writing poetry as a means for spiritual sadhana. One fine day in 1935, Sri Aurobindo wrote to him, I like your poem very much. The poet seems to have come out after all. It's the turn of the yogi to come out next, what? Usually Nirodbaran himself could not make head or tail of his own poetry. Very patiently, Guru would interpret, explain every detail, and in February 1937, Sri Aurobindo wrote, No, sir. Feel, instand, overstand, interstand, but don't try to understand the creations of a supra-intellectual beauty. Later, in July 1938, he commented on a poem. But significance, sir? Significance? Fathomless. As for the inspiration, it was from a remarkable source you tapped. Super Blakish. There were times when Nirudbaran wanted to give up writing. But Sri Aurobindo encouraged him saying, No, it keeps you in contact with the force. Thus, through the building works and timber go down, through the medical and poetic sadhana, in just five years, the disciple had been chiseled into an instrument who was now ready to directly serve none other than Sri Aurobindo himself.
the Lord of the Sacrifice. In 1938, due to Sri Aurobindo's accident, Nerudbaran was chosen by the mother to be one of the six attendants to serve the master. From 1938 to 1950, Nerudbaran's entire life revolved around Sri Aurobindo. He was one of the few who was intimately in contact with him. The correspondence was now replaced by direct talks, most of which were recorded from memory by Nirodbaran and A.B. Purani, also one of the attendants. During these years, Sri Aurobindo was working on his epic of mantric poetry, Savitri. Needing some help, he asked Nirodbaran to read to him the final copy of the first three books, then began the task of alterations and additions, which he asked Nirodbaran to take down. From 1944 to 1950, Nirodbaran was the scribe to Sri Aurobindo. Reading the manuscripts to Sri Aurobindo, taking down lines as Sri Aurobindo dictated them, deciphering Sri Aurobindo's handwritten manuscript, making fair copies. It was as if his entire preparation up till then had been for this one work, to be the Lord's scribe. Why did Sri Aurobindo and the mother choose him for this work? Once when Nirodbaran asked Sri Aurobindo the reason for their exceptional relationship, the master replied, Cast your plummet into the deep and perhaps you shall find it or perhaps you will hit something that has nothing at all to do with it. On another occasion, Sri Aurobindo said of Nirodbaran, Nirod is no doctor to me. He has come to serve me. Once, when the mother entered Sri Aurobindo's room, she had a vision about Sri Aurobindo and Nirodbaran as two children playing and gamboling with each other on his bed as if in acknowledgement of his special relationship with Nirodbaran and as a supreme assurance. Ten minutes before Sri Aurobindo left his body, he called, Nirod, give me a drink. Without any apparent need, as the quantity he drank was very small. For Nirodbaran, the words were an assurance that he was not forgotten by the Lord even in his last moments, a reminder of the pledge given to him by Sri Aurobindo that he would never forsake him. The Mother's Ways of Action With the passing of Sri Aurobindo in 1950, Nirodbaran was thrown into an abyss. He had lost his anchor. It was the mother who now drew him out of his black despair. 
all these years. Nirodbaran had been sleeping in Sri Aurobindo's room. The mother assured him that he would continue to do so. She asked him to work with Nalini Kantagupta on Sri Aurobindo's manuscripts. She told him, Nothing has changed. Call for inspiration and help as you have always done. You will get everything from Sri Aurobindo. The mother worked upon Nirodbaran's nature. Each task given by her, though at times trivial, was a way to teach the disciple the correct inner attitude and discipline. Once, when Nirodbaran raised an objection to compulsory marching once a week, the mother told him in no uncertain terms, Compulsion is necessary. If you want to remain in the group, you have to obey the group discipline. That is quite reasonable. I will tell you one thing. Without discipline, strict discipline, no progress can be made in life. No yoga is possible without it. You can't take one step forward without strict discipline. You may utter a mantra for a hundred years, but without discipline, you won't be able to see beyond the tip of your nose. Nirudparan recalls, As soon as I had touched upon the last question, that of discipline, the tempo of her voice had begun to rise in a crescendo till it reached its peak at the end of her advice. All the while, her gaze had been fixed on my eyes and the words hit like bullets my vital nature self-will in the name of freedom. Many years have passed since then, but I am continuing my compulsory Monday attendance. So much force had been generated in that dynamic utterance. And so it has been, till very recently. Nirudbaran would cycle to the ashram sports ground for a jog and take part at the playground in the compulsory Monday exercise, which he jocularly referred to as Black Monday. Almost till he turned hundred, one could see him during the Darshan day march past, along with the other ashramites. Another work taken up by Nirodbaran was that of teaching at the ashram school. The mother also gave Nirodbaran the charge of the work of the samadhi, and he continued to do it till the end. At sports, Sometimes the mother encouraged Nirodbaran to take an active part, to beat the opponent. At other times, she put her force behind the competing players and let Nirodbaran taste defeat. In various ways, she worked upon his nature. Once the mother, in the early years reporting to Sri Aurobindo, stated, 
He plays well. He is quite promising. Even though at times the mother was not in physical contact with Nirod Baran, her inner contact with him and work upon his nature continued unabated in the subtle realms. Once in his sleep, Nirod Baran heard the mother calling him. In the morning when he told her about it, she said, Ah, but I told you many things. She also told Nirodbaran, I see Sri Aurobindo all the time busy with you. A representative of Sri Aurobindo and the mother. In the years after the passing of the mother and increasingly after the passing away of Nalinida, Niruddha has been an anchor not only for the ashram but for thousands of aspiring seekers both within and outside the ashram. Even though he spoke little, one look, one word was sufficient guidance and encouragement. From Niruddha have flowed precious moments of contact with Sri Aurobindo and the mother, captured in the various books he has authored. These have provided many with a sense of intimacy with the Divine Gurus, as in all his writings, one only meets Sri Aurobindo and the mother. In 1971, at the foundation laying of the Matri Mandir at Oroville, the mother selected Niruddha as one of the twelve sadhaks to represent the ashram. Afterwards, when there was an atmosphere of misunderstanding about Oroville, Niruddha was like a golden bridge between the ashram and Oroville, embracing it as part of the mother's work and showing others the way to do the same. Through talks, visits, interactions with Aurovillians, he supported and encouraged them in their work. Not only in the ashram and Auroville, his influence has extended to many centers around the world. His encouragement is always there for anything that can help to take the mother's work forward. Chiseled and nurtured by Sri Aurobindo and the mother, the human disciple has become a reflection of some of their ways. Even his everyday interactions have been an example to follow, earning him lifelong loyalty love and affection. Niruddha, a guiding force. For the Gnostic Center and its members, Niruddha has a very special place. Not only has he guided us individually in our own lives, he has constantly encouraged us to attempt to manifest Sri Aurobindo's and the mother's vision of a new kind of educational center in Delhi. 
at the inauguration of the Gnostic Center on 28th March 1997, Neruda, in his message to the Center, wrote, quoting Sri Aurobindo, Yoga must be revealed to mankind, because without it, mankind cannot take the next step in the human evolution. Niroda further wrote, The Sri Aurobindo Gnostic Center of Education in Delhi is being founded to attempt to provide students with an integral education in order to prepare them to take this next step in evolution. On another occasion, when the Gnostic Center was still in its nascent stage, Niruddha wrote in a letter to the head of the center, My dear child, received your letter with plenty of good news and the brochure with detailed program. It gives me a feeling of the power behind, which is very active. All the programs that you have arranged were planned by us, you'll remember, are now taking shape. I was particularly focusing the attention of the academic institution to new thoughts and vision of Sri Aurobindo. With love, all of you, Niruddha. We at the Gnostic Center feel that Niruddha kept a constant vigil over us. Although physically he did not visit the center, he seemed aware of every nook and corner. It was he who indicated the place where the Samadhi should be built and had a clear vision that the relics must come to the center one day. On innumerable occasions he brought it up. As he explained in a Bengali article, relics are the living presence of Sri Aurobindo imbued with the light and force of his lifelong sadhana. Just as an atom contains an infinite power in itself, the relics contain the supramental light and presence of the Lord. <laughs> 